This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Listen to the West NY podcast with Dagon X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Hamway podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and ex-WHU employee. It's another defeat to reflect on. Four points from seven games with only three goals scored leaves us third from bottom in the Premier League. What is the problem? How worried should we be? Is this the beginning of the end for David Moyes or can he turn this round with some winnable games coming up? Lots of talking points this week before getting news from X and answering questions from Patreons of the West Hamway. X, it was a long day for West Ham fans on Sunday. Give us your thoughts on the Everton defeat, one that leaves us third from bottom after seven games. Um, it was a disappointing result, definitely. I mean, we need to be beating teams that are also in the relegation zone like they were at the time. Um, we need to play a lot better, I think, going forward, especially our players disjointed. I think there's too many passengers, there's too many players that should be dropped now, and I can't believe they haven't been. You know, Moyes an experienced manager. There's a couple of players there, and I'm gonna, I'll name them in a minute, but that he should not be playing right now. It's quite as simple as that, and I can't understand how they can still be in the team. Um, he's bought... 180 millions worth of new talent yet he's still relying on out of perform out of form players um and i think the best way to get players in form is to drop them and make them have to work for their place and get the team playing well in their absence and then when they come in the momentum's playing well they can hopefully pick up their game and they come back in and i just think that's a that's the major problem too many underperforming players that Moyes seems to be reluctant to drop yeah, and for a gritted teeth, if you look at how Son was managed at Tottenham, I don't think he'd scored all season, so he gets dropped, and you would never imagine Tottenham dropping Son. But look what he'd done for him. He's come on, he scored at trick with Mate, that fire in his belly. Players, all the players, all top players, if you drop yeah. them and say to them, look, you're not guaranteed to start the team, you've got to improve this, that, and the other. They up their game, and and, mm. and in their absence, the team plays well um, because they, everyone's performing. And then, then they're coming into a team that's performing well rather than a team that's not. And, and we've, we've just got players that the game's bypassing and it's just really, really frustrating that, that this has not been addressed yet. And I mean, I'm not getting to complete meltdown panic stations as other fans are, but things do have to change for the next game against Wolves. He's got to, he's got two weeks now. Obviously, a lot of the players are going to be with their national sides, but he's got two weeks now to really sit down, look at the videos, identify where the play isn't working and make the necessary changes. Mm, yeah, I know. I know. Um, but it was painful, really, at Goodison, wasn't it? I mean, that first half was absolutely awful. And once again, as always seems to be the case, we started slow. I wish we could change that. I wish we could change our intensity from the get-go, home and away. We do seem like slow starters, West Ham, and I find that really frustrating. We haven't scored a first-half goal this season. In the well, league. there you go. Uh, there you go. I just don't think we get close enough to it. We don't. We just don't seem to get out of gear unless we go behind. I mean, it's just such a strange mindset with West Ham this season. But, 
you know, uh, the possession play wasn't good enough. The transitional play wasn't good enough. And unfortunately, it seems to be the same names that are underperforming week in, week out. And the thing is, X, I know you touched on it, but I think we should talk about it now. It's a question on everyone's lips. Why is Moyes sticking with the same players that are out of form? Why is he doing it? I don't know. I think he almost has like a loyalty to players that have served him well. And it seems like he finds it hard to embed new signings. I mean, there's always been a criticism of him in terms of recruitment at whatever club he's been. That A, he's reluctant to do it. And then B, when he does, he's reluctant to bring them in the team. Like, you know, Gerard Bowen took a while to transition into the team. Every signing we make seems to take a while for him to want to play him. But when you've got players that just clearly aren't performing, and the, and the thing is, He's given some of these players that he won't use games in Europe. You know, Flynn Downs, man of the match in the one game he got. Um, I think Cornet has got a couple of assists and, you know, played really, played really well. Skamak is scoring goals, you know, in Europe. And then the minute it comes to the league games, they're dropped for players that just aren't performing. I mean, you know... <laughs> Thomas Suchek, I'm sorry. I know he's going to be on the show having a go at me again and say I've got a vendetta. <laughs> no. but, but, but he, but he, we'll give him the uh, week off. Yeah, he, he, the, the whole game is by, by passing him regularly. He's had yeah, a, good half, a good half against Tottenham, I think, from memory, and a, and a decent game against Chelsea from memory. Other than that, he hasn't performed. Honestly, I've been saying this for over a year now. I've been saying this for about a year and a half. The game, he, the game just bypasses him. There, there was a point, and it was it was put on Twitter where he played. Play, Declan Rice broke through, played the ball to him, and he went to play it to. I mean, it was Shafal was intercepted by their player. It was a terrible pass. And what made it even worse is that he didn't even bother to track back and try and make amends for it. He just hopes that someone would bail him out. And I think Shafal's been poor. He's got his. Uh, uh, crossing is terrible at the moment. Like it never ever goes to anyone but the opposition. Um, so those two are, are the, the the two that stand out for me. But then you got I think Cresswell's form's a bit iffy. You got Fornells. I'm not. Sure. I like Fornells, but I, I see him as a much more better player in the centre rather than on the on the wing. Obviously Bowen has been massively off form. Um, and I can't understand why we'll now, this season, when we've got players that have came in, yes, against lesser opposition, I understand that, but have came in and played well, that they're, they're being overlooked for players like Suchek. And I know Sheffield's slightly different because obviously Johnson and Ashby are injured at the moment. But Suchek, there are options to play there. You know, Paqueta plays as a number eight, really, but he's been playing as a number 10. You know, that's our record signing. You could have Rice and Paqueta, for example, in central midfield and maybe have Fornells in the number 10. Or you could have Rice and Downs in, in midfield and have Paqueta as number 10 if you're insistent he plays there. Or Ben Rama. Ben Rama's been the informed player this season. You know, again, comes off the bench and hits the post. It's the only one that's really creating opportunities consistently and actually looking like we might, might do something from. And it seems like you know, Gerard Bowen, I hope, goes on international duty, plays well for England and then comes back with a different form. But other than a, some, a, a couple of goals in Europe, of one of which was a penalty, he's done nothing this season. You've got to... If, change it otherwise the players that are on the fringes that don't get in when people are playing ball are playing badly don't have an incentive to come back in and the players that are in the team that are playing badly that aren't getting dropped don't have an incentive to improve their performance it's it's a very in my eyes and obviously you know maybe it's not as simple as this to others but in my eyes it's a very simple logical solution take the out of form players out put someone else in and see if he can change the, the destiny we've got three games wolves fulham and southampton now realistically we need to get a minimum of seven points out of those games to get our season back on track and i think he's got to he's got to change it to do that Mm, he does. Mate, I agree with every single word you've said. I'm actually surprised that Boeing got a call up to England, to be yeah, fair. I mean, if me he's too. if he's if he's judging players on form, I mean he hasn't been himself all season. This is probably the worst period from Jared Bowen I've ever seen since he's been at the club. Um Suchek consistently poor, can like but but overwhelmingly poor as well. Not just a debatable bad game, overwhelmingly poor. Regular question marks over Creswell. Full nails like you, I like him. And I also agree with you that he's, for me, even a number 10 or a number 8. Uh, I think it should be Ben Rama or Cornet on that left wing. And actually, and again, I think you've said this as well, when we've introduced Cornet or Ben Rama, uh, we've come alive. 
and and giving ourselves a fighting chance. So why are these players not starting? Flynn Downs is a big one because you, you, we both highlight how overwhelmingly poor Suchek has been. But Roshane Thomas, right? This blew me away to a point where it, surely it can't be right, but I think it is. He said that Flynn Downs has been given one minute of Premier League football so far this season. Yeah, he has. And 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 he had a full game against Bucharest and was man of the match. So yeah. why would you not exploit that confidence and momentum and put him in over an out-of-form suit check, especially away from home? Because if you've got Flynn and Deck holding the centre of that pitch, breaking up play, the transition will play be better as well because Flynn is a passer of a ball, as is Deck. But it's almost like we're losing games in the centre of that midfield, not because of Declan. I think he's still working miracles, but because he's got Thomas Suchek next to him and it's just been so detrimental. Um I just find it I just find it strange. I mean, if you're if you're if if you're replacing Moyes tomorrow, right, what would you do? What what sort of team would you be putting out? Now we've got a squad that's more substantial than we had last season in terms of options. What would you well, go with? I think if Ben Johnson was fit, he'd be my right back. But obviously at the moment, he's got a couple of weeks away. So I, I'm, I'm going to give Fabianski the spot in goal still because I think Ariola. I, I, think, I don't think Fabianski's been that bad recently. And Ariola has conceded some in Europe, which I think he could have, could have done a bit better on, although he did make a great save towards the end. So I'm going to keep with Fabianski, although long-term, I, I think Ariola is the keeper. I think at the moment, you could you could even you could put Kerr at right back. A lot of his career, and he'll play there for Germany. In the international break, has been at right back, so I'd put him there. I'd put, at the moment, depending on fitness, obviously I've got a Gwen, I'd put Zoom and Dawson at centre-back. I think I'd put Emerson at left-back, um, even though he's seen as more as a, of a, a left-winger. And then I'd have a, a left-wing-back, a, a uh, left sorry. Um, I would have Rice and probably Downs in central midfield because Downs is going to at least put the effort in and try and, uh, and make a go of it. I'd have um, Corne on the left, Ben Rama in... Uh, sorry, no, because I've dropped... I haven't got Paqueta then, have I? Um... Okay, um, thought this through. Um, either Paqueta or Downs in that central midfield along right, alongside Rice, Corne on the left, maybe Antonio on the right, and Ben Rama in the hole behind Skamaka. Um, mm. I think you know, obviously long term, you'd be looking to play Paqueta from the start, but so far, and obviously I'm not writing him off. He's got to have time, but I don't think he's done as much as we would have hoped. So maybe I would, based on the fact that Downs had that great game, I would give Rice and Downs a start, or I could be persuaded Rice and Paqueta. But I think the key things at the moment are to address Chafal and Suchek and address Bowen. They're the three mm. massive concerns for me in terms of selection. The others, you know, you could argue that Cresswell's a better left-back than Emerson maybe, and that, you know... For now, could start in as a number ten or a number and alongside Declan maybe, and you you could argue that. But for me, the three you have to do something with now, as I said, are Shafal, Suchek, and Bowen. They're the three that need something to yep. change their performances. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, something that crossed my mind earlier. I'm not even sure if this is a good idea or not, really. But where where at the moment there are question marks behind both fullbacks. It could even potentially, and I know it's bold, I know it's bold, could be an option to play free at the back and not play with wing backs. I mean, you could, when Aguerd is fit, you could play Zuma, Kera, and Aguerd as your a back three, and they're solid centre halves, by the way. Oh, yeah, I think that's probably the ultimate plan. I think that is the ultimate plan. Yeah, but I see, I, I would I would possibly not play with wing backs, though. And that's that's the bit where it gets bold because you could then play, say, in a game where you're expecting to win, so maybe you're at home to a lesser opposition, yeah, you like could maybe Wolves, the next three games. Yeah, so I think yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you can have, let's say, let's say Rice and Downs um, in the centre, Ben Rama on the left, Paqueta number ten, Bowen on the right if he picks up his form, um, and then Antonio and Scamacca up front together as a as a two. Or if you're playing a decent opposition, you could even go with someone industrious like Full Nails next to Declan Rice and have. Um, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, for now is next to Declan Rice. And then you've got Flynn Downs dropping as an anchor man sitting in front of that back three. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, the, I, I the think point I, is, something's got to change, isn't it? Oh, that, that's the point of this conversation. Something's got to be addressed almost quite drastically, really. Oh. 100%. I mean, even the idea of having Antonio on the bench coming on for Scamacca is something I would consider because, like, he 
Antonio generally, in a game, generally has 20, 30 minutes where he's brilliant and really works hard and creates opportunities and almost unplayable at times, but it tends not to last the full 90 minutes. So what I've liked in Europe, particularly the last game against Bucharest, is you brought him on um, with like what was it, 25 to go or whatever it was, and he really, really changed the game. Uh, you know, he was brilliant, and I think having him on the bench to do that, you know, Skabaka's the big sort of target man that you know holds the ball up. You, you want him to sort of tire the opposition out, and then Antonio comes on and changes it in terms of style and in terms of like, um, you know, sort of. Um, like different attributes and stuff. And I think we've got the options now. Like, you know, in the past we've sat there and said, well, what could you do? Well, you might be able to stick this youngster in here or might be able to stick this player there. We've got the options. You know, we've got every position now. There are options, but we're not using them. And, you know, I'm not writing off Bowen. Certainly not. I'm not writing off Suchek even um, long term. I'm just saying at the moment he is not performing. And I, I don't care how much you love Thomas Suchek because he likes potato salad and has a funny accent or whatever, or you love him as a player because you think he's useful. You, you, you're having a game there, and yes, he scored against Tottenham and he scored in Europe and stuff, but you've got games where I honestly believe the game is literally going past him. I don't think he offers anything. I, like, he just doesn't, it's not as if he's even playing bad. It's just that he's not doing anything, you know, and mm. you can't you can't afford to have a central midfielder that doesn't do anything, that doesn't get no. involved. He's not the same so, player. No, exactly. I'd rather I'd rather have Connor Coventry there. I'd rather have Flynn Downs. I'd rather have Lanzini. I'd rather have Fornells. I'd I'd rather have anyone there at the moment that's gonna that because that, I think they'll put more of a shift in. Um, it's the same for Chafal. You know, I'm, I'm not quite as worried about Chafal, but I am worried about him. As soon as Johnson's fit or Ashby's fit, I mean, they need to come in at right back for him. Um, and then and then, like I said, Bowen. You know, you might, you could maybe persist with him a little bit longer, but you've got to do something about him. You've got to get his form back to what it was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, subconsciously, do you think there's a chance that the amount of changes within the club has affected more players than we realise? Because if you look, right, Nobes, Fredericks and Yama in particular were a big part of that group, big part of the bond, the camaraderie, the presence. Even though they weren't starting, they were in that dressing room and part of that group, right? Stuart Pearce. I mean, yeah, do we underplay the level of importance he had at West Ham that he ain't there anymore? And and I know we've covered this in a previous show, but how is the dynamic between Moyes and Warburton? You know, there's that. Moyes has, has been publicly critical uh, of players. Is that pissing people off? Uh, as much as we need to bring this amount of new players in, is it too many for the dressing room too soon? Last season, we had a smaller squad, but there was a unity amongst the group. The side picked itself. Now, with all these changes that have taken place, do certain players feel that they've peaked at West Ham? Do they honestly believe that they can improve on a European Cup semi-final? Because if they don't, where's the motivation? Does Jared Bowen think he should be wearing an Arsenal shirt now? Is there any part of Declan Rice that wonders what he's still doing here? There's so many questions, X, you know. There could be more cracks than possibly we realise. And I think there are so many questions, potentially, that brings a number of issues if these theories are true. And the fact of the matter is, it's a results-based business. And if results don't improve, the manager, you've got to say, has has got to go. Because a few people already are saying, has he lost the dressing room? Yeah. I mean, I think with the dressing room, there, there are... Like what you say, there are some people that are getting frustrated. There are some players, and this is this is sort of based on opinion rather than fact. So again, no articles on this, please. Those sites that do it, this is an opinion, educated opinion. I think there are players that are um, <clears throat> probably getting frustrated. I think Downs will probably be sitting there and think, why is the manager had a pop at me when I haven't even played yet and you've just signed me and I've had a great game in the one game that I've played. I mean, Ben Rama will probably think, you know, what more do I have to do? Every time I played this season, I've created chances for you. And at the moment, in my opinion, although it's obviously short and not been a great season yet, um, he's hammer of the year if he was to draw it now. Yeah, he can't He can't get into the team. Um, and then there'll be players like, yeah, Declan and Bowen and Zuma maybe that think West Ham should be doing better than what they are doing. I think the frustration is, is that we seem to be just really... 
at the moment, struggling going forward. I think, you know, defensively, yes, we've conceded goals, but we only conceded one against Everton, and generally, apart from that goal, we were quite solid. The problem is, is that we're just not creating chances. You know, we're not creating... We, and when we are creating chances, we're not taking them. You know, we, we've really got to sort out the attacking play, and it's that that he rotates the most. You know, or, you know, it's that where he Ben Rama's in and then he, he takes him out and then four nails is in and he takes him out. The back four is reasonably solid. If, if people are fit, but he doesn't take out the right players. He takes out Ben Rama. He takes out, other, you know, Cornet. They're the ones that are actually performing. The ones that aren't performing are the ones that he's sticking by in the attacking positions. And, you know, I just think he's really got to think about this long and hard. Wolves are off form. They've just lost their main centre back to a red card I think you're right you've got to go out there either with four at the back um, or either with three centre backs and five midfielders or two, you know four midfielders you know whatever way but it's got to be attacking the formation against Wolves it's got to be attacking against Fulham it's got to be attacking against Southampton and you've got to look out look to get a result against all three teams if he plays five at the back against any of them and sits back and stuff it's just wrong we've got to be looking to beat these teams and unfortunately I think because of the results and because of the way he speaks to certain players, I mean, I wouldn't say he's lost the dressing room, but it's certainly not as vibrant and positive as it was perhaps last season. Mm. Going back to the Moyes and Warburton dynamic, right? Because I know we have spoken about this on a previous show. For all we know, they could be the best of friends and Moyes sees Mark as a godsend, right? Or Warburton was a Sullivan appointment that within days of being at the club brokered a deal to sign a player that there's a chance Moise didn't want. And that yeah. player being Flynn Downs has only been given one minute of Premier League football, as we've said, has publicly been criticised by Moise. I mean, where the fuck that came from, I don't know. Uh, and then he has a stormer against Bucharest, yet still can't get a game over a consistently poor Thomas Suchek. I mean, reading between the lines, is there potentially a political situation there? Is Quite he keeping possibly. Suchek in the side because he's stubborn and he doesn't want to look like... Um, a, a, a coach has come in with a managerial background that's brought in a better solution to his first choice. It's, it's quite possibly that. Obviously, factually, we can't answer that, but that's a, that's a, a good, you know, it's a strong opinion to have. And I think, it, you know, I've always said on this show, I've said it repeatedly, that if David Moyes gets the sack, which I will talk about this more in my section um, but if he does, I, I believe that Mark Water, War, Mark Warburton will be the caretaker manager, certainly in the interim period and possibly long term if he gets results. And I think possibly that is an, uh, is an issue because, you know, if you've been brought in with someone that could potentially be sort of harping around for your job a little bit, no matter how much you might get on with them, you're always going to be a little bit suspicious, aren't you, of what their intentions are. And as you say... I'm not convinced Flynn Downs was uh, was a David Moyes signing. It came out, and, and even almost by the club, emphasising that David Moyes had watched him for a while. And I'd already said on the podcast that we'd looked at him before. So, yes, there was some interest, but we hadn't made a move for him before. You know, then Mark Warburton comes in, and then literally when he's been photographed, and I've got the photographs of him in a, a Crystal Palace shirt, you know, then right at Warburton comes in, that deal, we haven't made a move at any point. And then just as the point's about to join Crystal Palace, all of a sudden we hijack the deal and bring him to West Ham. Now, obviously, he's going to choose West Ham because he's a massive West Ham fan. But even Flynn Downs has admitted he didn't know anything about the transfer. You know, and of course, West Ham trials jump on to, to me. I didn't know anything. It was literally dumb like last minute, like literally he was pretty much pen in hand to sign the Crystal Palace and then we decided to do it. And then you look into it and you find out that Warburton's daughter is high up in um, Wasserman, the agency that he came from. And then you do think to yourself, hold on a minute, that doesn't seem right. The couple with the fact that Downs hasn't played much at all um, and has been publicly criticised, then, you know, we can't prove these conspiracy theories are true or not. And they are at the moment, conspiracy theories, but mm. they are conspiracy theories that are quite believable because of the the, the background that we know. Mm. Mm. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. 
LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. If he does go, who do you think should be coming in? Because this is the the, the, the problem I've got realistically, right? Because I think we can show up, we can throw up the obvious names like Pochettino, Tuchel, uh, Rogers, Parker, whoever anyone's preference might be. But after spending the amount of money that the board have spent on players... I can't see them then spending shitloads more money on a top-level manager to come in at West Ham, which, again, might further support the likes of Warburton. Because, again, this is pure speculation and it's hypothetical, but if Warburton took over from David Moyes, he would probably be storming up the stairs to Sullivan's office saying, look, I don't even want to pay rise. Just give me the chance to take these boys over, implement my own ideas. And if it works, we'll talk about a contract in six months time, for example. I think Warburton would absolutely be chomping at the bit to take a Premier League club over with West Ham's potential. And and this is what I'm saying. It's no insider knowledge. This is just from an outsider's perspective looking in. I would imagine that David Moyes is a little bit uncomfortable with Warburton's appointment. Now, again, this has come from nowhere. I'm just saying that if I was Moyesy, from what we kind of know about the Flynn Downs deal, the fact that he's lost Stuart Pearce, Warburton's coming, he's got a managerial background, he's quite ambitious. You know, I don't know. I, part of me thinks there's a bit of a red nap bond scenario potentially going to be going on here, you know? Maybe there isn't. Like I said, maybe they're the best of pals and they work fantastic together and Warburton would leave if, if Moisey got the sack. You just don't know. But do you think they'd be more likely to to give Warburton a job long term? Or do you think immediately they would shoot for the stars and say, right, we've spent the money on the players. Fuck it. It's now or never. Let's go for one of these top men. The top no, men. And I if they think, are, who would it be? I think he would be. I think he would certainly be given the next game after. If I don't, Listen, I don't think Moyes is going to get the sack. So this mm. is incredibly hypothetical. I'll go into more detail in my section. I hypothetical, wanna, but, but topical. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say too much because it will come in my section. I don't think David Moyes is going to get the sack. Let's just put it that way. But as it's topical, it is hypothetical, but as it is topical, you're right. So I think Warburton would, would be the interim manager. So what would happen is whatever the next game is after Moyes is sacking, he would definitely get that game. So he would manage that. Depending on how well we did, um, we it would determine how long he would be interim manager for. So let's say we ended up, I don't know, randomly playing Man City away and we beat them 1-0. Obviously, that's going to be a great result. Um, unlikely, but a great result. He would obviously carry on to the next game and they would judge it for three or four games and then they'd probably give him to the end of the season to be reviewed then. I think I think there's definitely a strong case to say that Warburton would certainly be interim manager for a time being. Again, this is my opinion. It's not factual. I don't have evidence of that. It is my opinion on a West Ham opinion show. Um, In terms of replacements, for me, knowing who I know the board like, and I know they like just from previous, like, Things I know in terms of inside knowledge and stuff. I know they like Sean Dyche. I'm not saying I would want him. I'm just saying names. I know they like Sean Dyche. I know they like Cooper at Nottingham Forest, who's obviously struggled to manage all the the new signings they've made there, although I do think that's an extreme case. Um, Then there's, uh, I know they like him. Um, I know they like, uh, I thought of another one this morning when I was thinking about it. Damn it, it's not in my head now. Um, Damn, there is another manager that I thought of that they like, and I've forgotten 
who it was off the top of my head, but there's three managers already that they would be would be semi interested in. I think already that are that are managing um, clubs. I don't know if they'd go for Scott Parker. Probably unlikely. Potticino, maybe. But again, it's going to be depending on how much he uh, demands. Tunchell, would he come to West Ham? You know, he's, he's a Champions League winning manager. Yes, you'd like to think he would, but could possibly be wanting bigger club that is in the Champions League for his next appointment. So I don't think it's clear who the next manager would be. I don't think they'd take a gamble on Mark Noble. I mean, that'd be too soon with no mm. managerial experience. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a tricky one, really. I mean, the Brentford manager, he's done a decent job for them, hasn't he? Possibly they might look at him. But, uh, yeah, there's no standout candidate you know you would have said graham potter maybe but obviously that's too late now so so there is mm. no real standout candidate i would say at this point mm. well i mean look I, it's not a a comfortable question to ask and to talk about with uh, replacing Moisey. It really isn't. When you look at what he's done at West Ham, I think he he does deserve more respect than that. But obviously, because this is a show um, where we talk about certain subjects and give opinions and people that are listening to it, I'm sure listen to it for that reason. So I felt like I had to ask the question. But to try and inject a little bit of positivity, and this is me playing devil's advocate, by the way, just to offer a, a balanced argument and maybe some light at the end of the tunnel, Right. We started the season against a world-class City side. We wiped our mouths of that and moved on, right? We were really unlucky to lose to Forest. We should have come away with three points, in my opinion, 100%. Brighton was a poor performance, granted, although they were a decent underground potter. We then beat Villa away, a respectful point against Tottenham, got absolutely categorically cheated out of a point against Chelsea, and granted, we were poor against Everton. So what I'm saying is, if justice would have been served this season... We would have beaten Forest and got a draw against Chelsea. With those four additional points, we'd be sitting 10th now with four of the next five Premier League games being very winnable, in my opinion. So is there a chance that a lot of us are overreacting with only seven games gone? Not forgetting that we also have 100% in re- uh, record in Europe as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm think I, I I'm not ready for boys to go now. And I think that's the, um, the 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 theory of the club as well. Yes, things need to change, definitely. But he's got enough in the bank from the last two seasons to not go just yet. You're right. I think we were unlucky against Chelsea, unlucky against um, Forest, like you said. Everton, really, we should probably got a point there on the balance mm, of could play. argue that. Because they weren't yeah. great, were they? Everton. No, exactly. And we hit the post and mm. you know, the balance of play. Probably should have got a draw there. Look, if we beat... The next, if we get three points for the next three games, which in theory we should do, because as I said, Wolves at home, and then you got I think Fulham at home possibly, and then and then Southampton away, or maybe Southampton before Fulham. I can't remember, but whatever way round it is, you, you've got to be looking to beat those teams. I mean, I know Fulham are sitting in the top half of the table and stuff, but really we should be beating them. You had. Those points on 7, 10, 13 points, and we'd be certainly mid-table with those points and then hoping to kick on. So it's, in my opinion, it's way too early to talk about dismissing Moyes. However, if I was the chairman, I would be getting frustrated because I'd be thinking, look, I've given you 180 million here on players, you know, players that you wanted. You know, Yes, there were players probably that he wanted ahead of the ones we got, like Ward-Prowse and Brozier and people like that. But in the end, we couldn't get those players for various reasons. We got players that he um, that he would have approved because they all come from Newman, the, the signings. And he'd be saying to him, but look, we're not playing well, but you're considering you're not playing any of the players we've bought. You've got an Italian international sitting on the bench. You've got an Ivory Coast international who you know has looked good since coming coming here. You've got Piquetta who you're using as a number ten, but really he's played most of his career as a number eight. You know you'd have some serious questions there, um, and I think. Moyes just needs to be given time to sort this out and we'll call it a blip, but he needs to sort it out quickly. And if there's any manager to get West Ham out of trouble, he's proven to be that manager. Yes, it would be him that almost caused the trouble this time, whereas previously he came in as the firefighter, but he's already proven he can get West Ham out of trouble. So I think you have to give him at least, at least, you know, 
four or five, six games and see how we get on. And yes, if we do rubbish in all of them, we're going to put ourselves in a bad situation. But at the moment, I think any sacking would be harsh and a bit premature, definitely. Mm. I mean, ask me again at the at the end of these three games, I might tell you different. If he's still playing Suchek and we're still losing and things like that, then I might say different. But for now, like I say, you could say that we've been a bit unlucky we've, we've done we've got the results in europe I mean, we've won every game in europe if you include those in you know people are saying in the league we've done this that and the other but we've in europe we've we've won every game um so if you include that in the form's not as bad yes the opposition's not the same but you still have to get results these next three games will be crucial i think for the for the um success of our season in the league definitely mm. Well, you've also got to look at the fact that this poor form actually carries through to the end of last season. I mean, I think we've actually only won two or three games in 2022. So you could say, was there a wider problem at the end of last season? I mean, something definitely isn't right with West Ham at the moment. Third from bottom, four points, three goals scored in seven games. Poor performers are keeping their place. A few concerns over the manager. Whether you want him to or not, and, and I'm sure I speak for you, I certainly speak for myself when I say I want him to turn it round. But whether you want him to or not, do you think he will? Uh, yes, yeah, I do. I do. I think, you know, like I said, if we were getting battered in these games, you know, if we if we were playing terrible, I could say the only game I think we played terrible in was Brighton, and we tend to play terrible against them every season. If we're playing terrible in every single game, I would have thought, yeah, okay, this is not good. But you've got to remember we played Man City, who everyone, pretty much everyone's going to lose to this season. So you can always take that out of the Forest one. I mean, that was a difficult time to play them. And my God, we missed a penalty and should have should have done so much better than, than we did in that game. Tottenham, we played well, probably should have won that. Chelsea, we were robbed by VAR. Um should have got a draw out of that. Um, and Villa, we won. Um, Everton, again, I don't think we, we were that bad to, lo to lose the game. Um, so it's not like we're playing dreadful. We've just got some players that are massively out of form that Moyes needs to, to do something about now. And if he doesn't, then I am going to start to question his managerial ability because I can't see how a top-class manager can't see it. Um, but for now, I think he's got enough in the bag in terms of what he's done for us before um, to at least be given uh, a month or so to turn it around. Mm, it's also a little bit of a concern for me as well when you look at his post-match interview on the back of Everton. And uh, one of the questions put to him was, you know, has it been a struggle getting all of the new boys in and gelling on and off the pitch, etc.? And he said, to be honest, he said, when you look at Everton, the Everton game, he said, I think we only started two of the new boys. He said, pretty much everyone else were the players that I had from last season. But that worries me a little bit in a sense of those players in question, they know each other, they know David Moyes, they know what's expected of them, they're established Premier League players. So why is he not getting a tune out of them? Yeah, there, has, I, there has to be a reason for that. I, I, I agree, but I think it's quite simply down... You know, obviously there are factors you consider, like Irvine going and Stuart Pearce going and Mark Noble, obviously a massive one, not having his presence around the place and stuff. But I think the bottom line is Suchek's been off form for however long now, a year and a half, I would say. Um, you're playing with 10 men effectively in some ways with him there. And I know that's harsh to say about one player, but I genuinely believe it. You also got a right back that's massively not on form. I just simply think it, and a right winger. I think it comes down to players not being on form. And you've got that dilemma that these players have done so well for me in the past. I want to show loyalty to them and hope they turn it around. But in regards to doing that, the performances are suffering as a result. We've given them enough time now. The crowd need a boost. I think if you're if we, you know, you're going to that Wolves game and you hear the team. Um, 
as you're going to the game or exclusively on Patreon like you do, um, you would you would look at that team and you would, if it's the same, you know, if it's almost a predictableness of what you think it's going to be, and there's none of the new players in it, I think immediately as a fan you're going to be like, oh god, why has he not changed it? Um, and so I think you need to see at least two or three changes for that starting eleven um, against Wolves, and then that will give a pickup. And yes, maybe you have Suchek on the bench, and actually bringing Suchek off the bench for a period of time could be a good strategy because you know he's such a unique central midfielder in the sense that you know he is so tall and his style of play is not that similar to many central midfielders if Wolves set Wolves will set up thinking I'd imagine that Suchek's going to play and then if he then doesn't play and you play someone else there and then have him on the bench, it throws the tactical plan. I think we're too predictable. We're like, it's, you know, a lot of people could predict what the team is going to be each week. It's going to be the same players that are, he's trusted that have been available for, for a long period of time. Um, and I think... It, we need to stop being so predictable. We need to change it up a bit when things aren't working. Um, like we've established on this show, I'm very much a believer in you don't change a winning team. But on the flip side to that is that you do change a team that's not performing, and we're not and we're not doing that at the moment. So I quite simply think once we start to do that I mean, and if we pick up some results the whole morale starts to lift and you reward players that are playing well that's where the problems lie ben rama i don't know ben rama but i'd imagine he'd be getting frustrated at the moment he must be thinking what do i have to do mm. well you would do um, wouldn't you Fucking exactly hell. What, our best player exactly. <laughs> can't get a game can't yeah. get a start Strange. I mean, we put out a poll on Patreon to gauge how people feel about the gaffer at this moment in time with a simple question, Moyes in or Moyes out, with an undecided option. Um, a couple of thousand voted, 52% said Moyes in, uh, 18% said Moyes out, and 30% were undecided. Uh, I was going to ask you how much pressure you, you actually think he's under, Rex, but I think you might be putting some clarity on that in I your am. section, so we'll yeah. leave that. Yeah. Um, the next five games, to be clear... Uh, Wolves at home, Fulham at home, Southampton away, Liverpool away and Bournemouth at home. Am I completely delusional to fully expect 12 points out of 15 from those fixtures? Well, that's what I would be saying. If you look at those fixtures, that is what I would be saying to the team. You know, Fulham and Bournemouth are both promoted teams who you expect to struggle. Yes, they might be on a bit of form now, but that's because newly promoted teams you often start the season well by that point certainly Bournemouth you can't say they're newly promoted they would have played about 10 games by then um, so you, you've got to be expected to beat those two teams Wolves aren't the Wolves they used to be in my opinion you know the fact they've had to bring Diego Costa who I think is a very good player but bring him pretty much semi out of retirement to sign for them um, and they haven't been the same team they were um, you know they've, they've had some defeats this season you've got to be expected to beat them Southampton you know a bit more of a challenge because they're yep. a sort of a established middle mm. table team um, so and it's a way so you, you could argue that a draw wouldn't be a bad result there although I do believe we need to go and try and win at places like Southampton but if it was a draw it wouldn't be the end of the world and you expect to lose to Liverpool so yeah if you get if we don't, you know, I would say out of how many games is that? Four? Um, no, five, wasn't it? Five games. Um, mm. If you, you, you obviously three points or win, 15 points is the maximum. I would be disappointed if we had anything less than, you know, 11 points from, from, from that match. Well, yeah. 10 points, 10 points. 10. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's acceptable. I'd definitely push for the 12 because I think we need to and we're, we're, yeah. we're a better side than those uh, in question. I'd obviously, as is often the case, don't fancy anything at Liverpool way, but the other four I think quite favourable given our situation. And and like I say, if you do get those 12 points, potentially a game changer and everyone's talking, saying, oh, what crisis, you know? So it's an important period that for, for David Moyes and the football club in general. Do you yeah. think the um, international break is a welcome one at this stage or is it more time to dwell on, on, on what's been a poor season so far. Because in his post-match interview, Moyes said that you never want to go into an international break on the back of a defeat because everyone's miserable. So what is it? Is it is it a, a nice bit of time away now to gather your thoughts and think about how you're going to approach next game? Or would you rather just kick straight into walls, get three points and change the morale? 
It's a good question. It is a good question. Obviously, you'd have to be guaranteed you would get the three points against Wolves, which obviously it's yeah. not. Um, I, I, at this period in time, I actually don't think it's a bad thing because a lot of the players that will be going to international break are the players that either haven't been able to get themselves into the team properly yet or are off form. Um, so I'm talking the likes of Shafal, Suchek, Bowen. They're all going to their countries, right? If Bowen goes to England um, and scores his first goal, you know, I think, who are we playing? Is it Italy and Germany, maybe? I can't remember who we're playing now, but we're playing some good teams. If Bowen goes um, and, and plays in that and scores and plays well, you'd hope that he'll come back from that international period feeling a bit better about himself and his form. Same with Suchek. You know, Suchek gets a couple of goals for Czech Republic. I think he'll feel better. You know, what it will do, it will give Ben Johnson a chance to recover. You know, he's a few weeks away now, but it will give him a couple of weeks to get closer to match fitness, as it will Aguerd. You know, and I think you're going to be looking at getting both of those into the team as soon as possible. Um, it would... It gives the likes of Declan, you know, a chance to go away and play in England and and, and hopefully play well as well. Like mo the only players really that'll be sticking around are, you know, Funnels, Lanzini, Dawson, Ogbonna, a few players like this that are, that need to build up their match fitness. So actually, for once, and I, I hate the international window, I really do. But for once, I actually think this timing is probably a good thing. Get them away. Hope they'll pick up some form. Give Moyes some time to look at what's going wrong. Give those players that are still at the training ground, you know, some time to to really sort of pr improve themselves to him. Those that aren't being selected, those that aren't fit, get them built up some match fitness. And I think it is. I think it's actually a decent time for once. Yeah, I agree with that. Right, to end on a positive note with this first section, um, we've got a couple of things to talk about that are quite exciting. The first one is the next West Hamway pre-match event on the 1st of October, where we've got a very, very good guest for that one, backed by popular demand. And then obviously something we've been working on with Sid Lambert for over a year, X, in terms of our book. So I don't know if you want to say a few words about both of those. Yeah, well, the event will be brilliant. It's on Saturday, um, which is the, the best day for it because obviously people don't have work the next day so they can take advantage of uh, or you can drink and not have to worry about uh, a work hangover. Um, the kickoff's 5.30, so the event will be 1.30 till 4.30, which is also good because it gives you a bit of a lie-in on Saturday and then you can start drinking after lunch um, in preparation for the game and carry on into the evening and hopefully celebrate a good West Ham win. And we have, we have the one and only Jim Ginger Pele, and yes, we've had him before, but each time we've had him before, it's sold out. The guy gives complete value for money. You know, he's played under Moyes, he's played with Declan Rice, he's played with half the squad that um, that are there now. So he'll be able to shed some interesting light on the manager's style and whether Declan is, um, you know, uh, going to be a world-class player, which we all think we are, whether he, what sort of captain he is, how much of a lost noble is, things like that. And obviously for the £25 patrons, uh, you pay, and you get all that, all that included. Plus we've got um, Harry and the Chicks, <coughs> which is a band um, that are up-and-coming West Ham supporters. They're going to be playing us a few songs, including Bubbles. So I mean, it should be a great atmosphere. And then the book, you know, I don't know, it hasn't been put on Patreon yet, so a bit of an exclusive to the podcast, is that both Julian Dix and Tony Cotty, who obviously made um, their returns to West Ham during the 90s, uh, big players for West Ham in the 90s, have written a foreword for the book um, and, and complimented us on, on how much they enjoyed it. We actually sold a lot in the first day. I think we broke first day sales record for the publisher that um, has taken the book on, which is brilliant. And it's just a, a comical look at West Ham in the 90s. I say comical, it is based upon facts because these things did happen, but being West Ham, it is comical. And we have a look at um, all the ridiculously random events and players that turned up at West Ham in that period. And Sid writes very well. You would have seen him um, on how he's written about certain players, Mike Small, um, Paolo Futre, which you put on the site. So his writing style is brilliant. And then Dave and I just reflect upon 
our memories of that time because for me West Ham in the 90s this was when I first started going and my first love was West Ham in the 90s and it took me from the age of like 10 up until being an adult so a massively significant part of my life and um, yeah I think people enjoy the book it's 16 pounds and uh, yeah I think people will enjoy the, the memories that that book will um, evoke for them definitely well we enjoyed the memories i mean sid is such a talented writer like you say and uh he's a great wordsmith i think he uses his humor in his writing fantastically well he's very nostalgic very knowledgeable so he knows what he's talking about um so it was nice for us because obviously we had to read the chapters he'd written before reflecting on what we remember from that time and it's just incredible really how you could literally create a chapter easily around every single season that's what sid uh, myself and X have done and um, it was just never a dull moment it was such an incredible decade and it was just a pleasure to be a part of it and um, I'm not surprised that it's been popular on pre-order because I think any West Ham fan even if you weren't alive in the 90s just to read about those 10 years um, it's brilliant it's interesting it's funny and I think everyone will really enjoy it so uh, so yeah grab yourselves a copy on pre-order um, when is it officially coming out, X? Do we know that yet? I don't actually know. If I'm honest with you, maybe we should probably both know that. But um, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't actually know. But it's pre-order at the moment. The good thing about pre-order is that you can get a personalised message put in it um, free of charge just by adding to the notes section when you buy it. It's also going to be signed by... Um, uh, me, you, and, and Sid, and I'm gonna have to think what my signature is for X because I've never <laughs> never done that before. But uh, yeah, I think it will be. Um, I think it will be well worth buying, as I say. And you know, if it was, if it wasn't me that that wrote it, for example, and it wasn't you, I would still buy it. I bought Sid's, mm. Sid did a book with um, Chris Skull, who's the um, presenter on the pitch at halftime for West Ham, the former. Um, podcast host of a, a site that isn't particularly kind towards me and you um, they um they um and it, their book the, the ninth and chris is a top fan by the way nothing to do with me and chris is a top fan as it's james longman the guy I did it with um they um they did a book about not uh, not west ham football in the 90s and it was brilliant and i bought it and i've bought both of sid's books prior to that as well um just because he's such a good writer. So I would buy it anyway. And I'm not even sure, you know, my contributions hopefully do give a bit of a um, sort of humour and insight to my opinions. But the main thing you'll be buying for is the way Sid writes and the and the quality of narrative for each chapter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So some exciting things there. And I think the, uh, the pre-match event sells itself and that's reflective in the tickets that have already been sold for it. So if you do fancy it, don't leave it too long because, um, like I say, it's proving to be very popular and we're all looking forward to having Ginge back in East London talking about the old times and the current times. So, um, so there you go. And that brings me on to say that it is that time again. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.